This is a Salt Hill Media original podcast. Hello, welcome to the Ireland podcast. This is Fender Jackson. I want to wish you a happy 1500th anniversary of St. Bridget, Asgilliga, but I'm not going to do that. Let's go to this person. Hello, who are you and what do you do? Hello there, Fender. It's Misha Molly. I'm Molly from Irish with Molly. And I create fun, effective, engaging, meaningful and relevant Irish education materials. So I have courses, webinars and flashcards and things. You can find me on Irish with Molly on TikTok and Instagram. I know they're fun and engaging because I've been following you for a while and I've been learning Atomic Fulham Mogilig Arish. That's brilliant. All together. <laughs> I should have said, uh, I'm learning my Irish again. I, I, yeah, I need to say Gillick and then Berla and then people can come along with me, which is, which is what you do very effectively. I think it works, to be honest. I think it's the way forward because there are so many people who do have memories of Irish and that's the best way to connect. If you're kind of showing off your Irish or trying to be really articulate or if you're a fluent speaker and just you know, galloping ahead, you will lose a lot of listeners. So I think it's a great way to include subtitles, you know, to say something in Irish, and then in English. And actually for a learner's mind or anyone, as you know, from learning other languages, you kind of, your brain catches up at a different speed. So you're, you might be processing the Irish. And then as I'm saying the English, you go, I know that. So there's a great sense of satisfaction from the listener. Do you know what my father says? He says, to learn a new language or to learn, relearn a language, you need the skill, the commitment and the talent of a two-year-old. Yes. <laughs> That's really good. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, I want to ask you one question, which is how do I say, or how does anyone say, happy St. Bridget's Day? Well, if you're wishing one person happy St. Bridget's Day, you will say La Ela Bridge Sonna Ditch. La, Let's say it together. Okay. La La Ela. Ela? What Ela? So that is festival basically. Okay. It's F H E Father I L E. Oh, so it's Fela. Yeah. It's Fela. So yeah. La means day, and then Fela is festival so Ayla we're adding a shavu a h yeah. la Ayla meaning of the festival yeah. day of the festival la Ayla brige b r i father d e is of bridget brige then sunna happy s o n a sunna ditch to you d u i t ditch you might see it with d h u i t that would be an older pre-standardization version or even a dialect version. Mm -hmm. I always say you can say ditch, rich, dit, as long as you're not saying do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, do you do it? I, I, rich. I dig it. Yeah. Sinead, that's it. So, la ela brige sonna ditch. Right, let's say it together. La la ela brige sonna ditch. Ditch. Anua, very good. La Ela Brija Sana Ditch. Okay. I'm if you're wishing plural. exactly more than one person, you just change the last word from to you 
to to all of you. So it's to you plural. So la ela brija sana div. Div meaning to you plural. Ah, so English is very complicated because you singular and you plural is the same word. Whereas yeah, exactly. Everywhere else, it's uh, different. Well, not everywhere else. Yeah, but most languages, I would say, yeah, have yeah. a different plural form. Yeah, do, do you know in Chinese? I'm just thinking of Chinese. It's I and it's a I plural. It's you. Ah. It's you plural, and then it's that person, and then that person plural. So Chinese is very simple. Very Chinese, Chinese is very simple in many ways, but very complicated with the tones and so on. Wow. So is I I plural would be like we. Well, yeah. So wa is I, and then we is woman. Ah. And then ni is you. Fascinating. And then niman is plural. You plural. And then ta, which is ta. This is how I teach my kids how to speak Gaelic. It's because ta in Irish is is, whereas in, uh-huh. in Chinese it's he or she or it. And, okay. And Tommen is Fascinating. There. I wonder how that I singular and I plural affects the way they think of themselves as part of a group. Mm, interesting question. Interesting question. <laughs> we'll not go there today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's do happy St. Bridget's Day plural together. Okay, ready? One, yeah. two, three. La... La- Ayla, Ayla Bridget. Bridget. We're not doing very well together, but anyway. Son. Son. <laughs> okay, we're totally out of sync, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Bula bus. Clapping Bula bus. hands. Bula bus. Yes, anyway. August, uh, where can people find you? Uh, so you said Instagram and TikTok. What are they looking for? Yes, so on Instagram, I post every day. Um, free flashcards and reels. I have a huge interest in etymology and storytelling. And then my website is Irish with Molly at well dot com. <laughs> Irish with Molly dot com. <laughs> my email address, Irish with Molly at gmail.com. If you want to reach out, I have lots of PDFs and freebies and also upcoming workshops focusing on introduction to Irish, pronunciation in Irish, and also topical things like there'll be specials throughout the year cool i'll get you on the ireland podcast another time whenever we have more time but uh we have the pressures of uh la ela bridges sean <laughs> no i shouldn't be saying that. we've got the pressures of la ela bridge upon mm-hmm. us and well shanae is we that do. right is that right shanae that's it brilliant okay well i'll uh love you and leave you and then we'll talk again yeah Thanks a million. Yeah, you're welcome. Falter wrote. Okay. Perfa. Perfect. Slan. Slan. Or slan. <laughs> I'm Phil Coulter, and you're listening to the Ireland Podcast. Hello, who are you and what do you do? Hi, um, my name is Deirdre Brennan, and I'm a photographer. And can you tell me what you're photographing now? 
Well, I've been photographing this project. Um, it's called Looking for Bridget. So uh, it's to commemorate the 1500th anniversary of the death of St. Bridget. Um, so I had the idea to do a photographic portrait project on women and children um, named Bridget or its iterations. Well, actually, when I was starting out, I didn't think I would get any children um but the delight of it is is that i have met with a um the call out my the call out was phenomenal so i photographed an eight week old bridget i photographed a three year old uh lots of children teenagers possibly every decade up until um a nun who's 106 years old, Sister Bridget Hickey. Um, so yeah, so it's been a it's been a wonderful project. I've I've loved working on it. So you mentioned the call out. What happened there? Well, I like usually with my projects. A lot of my projects are street photography projects. So I'll just stand on a street corner for a couple of weeks and stop people that I feel you know, that, that interest me. And, um, so this was different because I had to find people, you know, I, um, it was more time consuming in that, that way. Uh, so I had put, uh, uh, I had a, a poster designed looking for Bridget and I put it on Instagram. I kind of thought that I would probably have to, um, spend a couple of weeks. I might, you know, locate 20 women named Bridget. At this point, I, I didn't think I would find any children. So um, I uh, I put it, uh, the poster on Instagram and I didn't really have much of a response. Um, and then I was research, you know, contacting different organisations around the country myself. And then a photographer in Carrick and Shannon uh, he posted, I posted it on LinkedIn then, and then he posted it on his Facebook page, and then it just went viral. <laughs> I had, uh, I think Marty Morrissey did a call out on the Today Show, the Dunedin Democrat put it on their website. So, um, and my apologies to any all of the the Bridgets or the Breeds that I didn't get to because it's just me, myself and I doing it. And I only had the capability of, of um, meeting with about 60 people. Um, but in October, I think, gosh, I got hundreds of phone calls. My phone was going off every, maybe mm. about five, 10 phone calls an hour. <laughs> so Deirdre, who is the instrumental photographer that brought about this big change? Well, it was Keith Nolan. He's a photographer in Carrick and Shannon. And then he kindly, um, he reposted it, I think, on his uh, Instagram account and then on Facebook. And then it just seemed from there that it just went viral. And then some of the, like some of the women I met, they were saying that they had gotten, they had seen it. But then maybe about eight or nine other people had sent it to them. So they had gotten, you know, it had been sent to them from about 10 different sources. So, um, yeah, I would have loved to, have, you know, gotten to everybody. But as I say, it's just me, myself and I. So I only had the time and the budget to, to work with about 60 people. So big shout out to Keith. Thank you for that. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. And so you mentioned you got about 60. Do you have any idea how many people may have contacted you? Oh, hundreds. Wow. I mean, I don't even know. I haven't even had a chance to reply to all the emails yet. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I'm going to have to sit down one day and, um, you know, around October, November, I was just completely inundated with phone calls and messages. So I would say hundreds, maybe up to a thousand. Up to a thousand. That's incredible. It sounds like it could be a long process to respond to those emails. Can I ask you, when did you first think of this project? Because the anniversary is huge. It's a 1500th anniversary of her death. So, I mean, it's just uh, difficult to fathom that. But when did you first think of this as an idea for a project? Well, uh, you know, my my work for the past 15 years has hinged on historical and literary anniversaries. Um, I had been working on a project uh, following Ulysses for 10 years, following the path of um, James Joyce's Ulysses through Dublin, using the structure and the map of Ulysses to look at contemporary Dublin in terms of, you know, politics, social struggle, character portraits. Um, and that was published in 2022 by High Tone Books in Dublin as a, you know, for the anniversary, the, for the 100th anniversary of the publication of Ulysses. And it was also exhibited at the Irish Cultural Centre in Paris. And then after that, I, um, my mother was from the north, so it was coming up to the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. So I wanted to do a portrait project on the the relatives of um, the victims of Bloody Sunday. Um, and that actually turned into an accidental podcast because when I was going up to Derry, sorry, I'm, I, this is leading to the Bridget idea, but um, when I was going up to Derry for the first time, uh, I'd been to Derry many times for this project, but um the day before I share studio space with a sound engineer in Dublin, um, Barry Connolly, he runs Plexa Studios. Um, and I thought that I should probably hear the voices of the the relatives also. So um, I said to him, well, I just record them on my phone. So he sent me off to get one of those portable Zoom recorders. So I ended up so I met with the relatives of the, the victims of Bloody Sunday. Also, Eamon McCann featured very heavily in the audio. Um, journalists, uh, photographers, Fulvio Grimaldi, who took that iconic photograph, or was one of the photographers who took that iconic image of Father Edward Daly waving the bloody handkerchief, um, and nurses who tend to the injured and the dying on the day. Um, so I, Barry put it into this most beautiful, um, it's beautifully edited and it's, it's like, um, it, the, the families feel that it's a great archival. It's the first time the whole story of Bloody Sunday has come together. Um, and it's a great archival um, record for future generations. So it's called My Bloody Sunday and it's on um, all Spotify and all the platforms. So um, as I say, I'm getting to Bridget. Uh, <laughs> and then for the 100th anniversary of the foundation of the Irish state, I did this street photography project where I'd come up with the idea to, of people to hold a hand mirror and to look at themselves in the street, like the reflection of the past hundred years. And I found a 1920s Bakelite mirror in Belfast 
so that was very successful. That's that was a uh, you know that was exhibited and published quite in- internationally last year um, in Asia and Europe and in America. So then this year, I was thinking like every year, I think. Oh, what's this year going to be? Because sometimes my ideas just come into my head, like one minute they're there and one minute they're not and the next minute they're there. So I listen to the radio all day long. I just, my father was a radio officer at sea. So I just love listening to the radio. I listen to RT1 and the BBC World Service and National Public Radio in America. So I must have been hearing like on the radio that it was, you know, some talk about the 15 ton anniversary of, of St. Bridget's death. And I was making a cup of tea one day in the kitchen and the thought just came to me, I will do a portrait project of women named Bridget. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, that's great. <laughs> that's a really great idea. So that was around February last year. There had to be a cup of tea in it somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's either having a cup of tea or washing dishes is when all your good ideas come to you. Yeah. So that then the, that's how the idea came to me. It just, you know, just came into my head. So and I was really delighted with it because I thought that's a really great body of work to work on. Do you know what I mean? When mm-hmm. you're working with a big historical anniversary, it just gives you it just gives you good material to work with, you know. And when was that fateful cup of tea? You know, I'd have to look up in my diary now. I was, uh, <laughs> maybe I can look here and see. I can't, I can't quite remember. Let me see. Was it last year? It was this February. It was this February. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so it was a year ago. A year ago, yeah. So Deirdre, you've taken all these wonderful photographs of the 60 Bridgets. What's the intention for these photographs? Well, there's going to be a public projection in Dublin starting today, uh, the 1st of February um, till the 5th of February as part of the Bridget 1500 Festival in Dublin. Um, It's in Barnardia Square, which is just beside City Hall. Um, And yeah, so from after dark, the, the images will be it'll be a slideshow of the images so it's that's very exciting it's a very um it's a nice resolution to the project and um I'm also hoping that I think it would make a really lovely book uh because you know I've got great text I've got the photographs I've got great text I also have great audio um you know, because I did audio with the Bloody Sunday families when I met with all these women and children, there was such great stories. They all had such great stories that I thought I have to include audio also. Um, so I think that would also make a really great podcast or radio documentary. You know, the, there's a public exhibition in Dublin, but um, it still has a lot of other possibilities. So the photographs are going to be projected. Will there be any information with these bridges? What's the plural of Bridget? Is it just Bridget's or is it Bridgeye? Or uh, I'm probably, no, it's Bridget's, isn't it, Scott? Uh, it's just Bridget's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so will there be any information with each of the Bridget's or will it just be their uh, image? It'll just be the image, I think it's quite hard, you know, if you're projecting, if it's a projection at night for people to also read the text. Yes. You know, I think it would be, it's not the best. Um, I think that's either for a book or for exhibition. Yeah. Uh, Less is more. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. If this does become a book, I think the text is really interesting. You know, they, they, all the women's stories, um, 
but for public projections, just a little bit more difficult. Sure. I think it would make a little confusing. Yeah. And you asked each of the Bridgets to bring a personal item, is that correct? I did, yeah. Yeah. And did they? And what can you say about those? When you come up with an idea, it always takes, well, for me personally, it always takes a long time, like during the research period, to figure out what way the photographs are going to look. Like, because you just don't want an ordinary photograph, like you want it, like, you know, for instance, with the Bloody Sunday families, what I did was I merged the portrait of each person, be it like the relatives, um, the relatives of the victims are, you know, Amy McCann or who, you know, whoever I had photographed and interviewed who was on the march. Um, I merged that onto the handkerchief of Father Edward Daly mm. and then merged that onto Chamberlain Street. So it was three images merged together. Um, so it was quite ghostly. Um, so it's their picture on the handkerchief of uh, Father Edward Daly and then Chamberlain Street where that photograph was taken. So uh, that took me, that was actually inspired by when I was trying to, um, I remember I was going for a walk with my friend Helen McMahon one day and I was really struggling with how to how to visualize the Bloody Sunday portraits. And she said, well, what's the most iconic image of Bloody Sunday? And I said, well, it's Father Edward Daly's handkerchief. And then I was like, okay, that's it. I have to work with that idea. And then I, you know, was thinking, sometimes I look up um, old master paintings to get ideas for poses or, you know, compositions or, so I came across um, a painting by El Greco. It was the face of Christ on cloth. And the moment I saw it, I was like, that's it. Mm. I'll, so you know, the idea to merge the Bloody Sunday family relatives onto the the handkerchief of Father Edward Daly came from an El Greco painting. Um, and then I was, the street put the 100th anniversary of reflecting on 100 years of the Irish state. Again, that was really difficult trying how on earth do I portray this and I had a Francis Bacon postcard on the wall in my studio and there was a mirror image in that and I looked at it one day and I was like that's it I'll get people to look into a hand mirror um and then finding the hand mirror was really difficult I actually found it in Belfast um I couldn't find a hand mirror anywhere in Dublin that was suitable and um I was went up to see an exhibition I think it was Ron Muick at the at the Mac and I had a funny feeling I would find the mirror in Belfast that day. And I wandered down this street I'd never been down before. And I, this shop, pretty vintage Belfast, um, I wandered into it and it's a mother and daughter run it. And I said, you know, would you have a hand mirror? And um, they disappeared behind the counter for five minutes and came back with this 1920s Bakelite mirror, which was the same age as the Irish state, you know what I mean? So it was great to find that mirror, um, you know, a mirror that was as old as the state. And uh, and did you tell them what it was for? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so you knew straight away, yeah. Well, no, I just asked for a hand mirror and then when they showed it to me. They said, that's a 19, it's a 1920s Bakelite mirror. And then I told them, 
you know, what trouble I was having finding a mirror in Dublin. They were like, oh, you were sent to us. So it was fate finding that mirror. And plus it was a beautifully designed mirror, you know, so it was just perfect for the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And then the same with the, the Bridget project. I was for like months and months, I couldn't figure out how to photograph it. I was thinking, you know, should I have, you know, the uh, Bridget had a cloak. Should I make people put on a cloak? And then I thought, no, that's going to look silly. Um, I thought, will I project fire or water onto them? Because I've used projections quite a, a, um, in others. I did a street photography project for 2020 when I um, I projected a, an eye chart onto people on the street. You know, 2020 vision. There was kind of a pun in 2020. Um, and then one day it just came to me, I'll just get them to hold an object that has meaning to them, like meaning to their lives or symbolizes their own life, their own work um, or their relationship to St. Bridget. But the main interest for me was the actual people. Mm-hmm. It's funny. We all know how small Ireland is. You know, Bishop, sorry, you, you, you keep saying Fowler Daly. I know him as Bishop Daly. Oh, oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think he was... Father at the time, yes, of taking he was. That he photograph. Was. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why I know him as Bishop Dilly is because he was the bishop whenever I was confirmed. He actually, oh really? He was he was at the gig. He was doing the the photograph with me. We were getting papped together, and then um, bloody Sunday, my father was there. And oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. I um. He was on the march. He was on the march, yeah. And um, his story is fascinating because he was walking up towards the walls and he heard these crackers going off and then he looked up at the walls right in front of him and he noticed chunks were coming out of the wall and he realised, oh, they're not crackers, they're, that's gunfire. Yeah. So he turned around on his heels and surveyed the area. And this part of the story is fantastic. Because he was in the, he was up high, and he's able to survey what he could see before him. He saw the BBC crew. So he bolted down towards the BBC guys. He figured that they weren't going to be shot at. And he was right. Oh, I see. It would have been, he would have been an interesting person now to include in our podcast. Yeah, but the thing is, how long is the podcast? Because if you interviewed my father, you'd have to double it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's three episodes. Yeah, you uh, need another nine for him. Really? We have found the on switch for my father. We can't find the remote control to turn him <laughs> down or, or off. <laughs> I'm only joking, Daddy. Yeah, no, he's great. He's 84 and going strong. Maybe for the hundredth anniversary of the of the bloody Sunday, you can get him. <laughs> oh, can, I don't. Will any of us be around? Can I ask you about a few Bridgets then? Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Bridget McDermott. Well, actually, uh, Bridget was one of the first uh, women I photographed. Um, she had lost three children in the Stardust tragedy, and on the fourteenth of February, nineteen eighty-one. So she's holding a photograph of her three young, you know, her three teenage children that she she lost in the um, Stardust fire. So, and where was that? The Stardust. It was the nightclub in in Artane in Dublin that burnt down on uh, Valentine's Day in 1981. Mm. And the the, the inquest is is happening at the moment. The families had fought very hard for years for an inquest. And actually the Hillsborough, um, Bridget McDermott's uh, daughters were telling me that um, 
the people involved in the campaign for the Hillsborough inquiry were very, very helpful to them, you know, worked with them throughout their own campaign, um, you know, steered them in the right direction and what to do to um to get the government to uh you know, to have a public inquiry. That's a beautiful photograph of her holding the children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very sad. Yeah. Bridget Brownlow. Oh, yes, Brid Brownlow. She's a wonderful lady. Um, she had contacted me. Um, she lives in Nova Scotia. Um, she lectures in political science and peace education in St. Mary's University. And she has been working in conflict resolution as part of the peace process in Northern Ireland for the past 20 years. So I met her in Belfast just before Christmas. She travelled to Belfast for Christmas She's very dedicated to supporting the working class in Northern Ireland, especially engaging women in conflict resolution so that they'll have a place at the table. She said she hoped that her life's work in peace building would be something that Bridget would be proud of, mm. which I'm sure she is. Mm -hmm. Bridget Harper. Bridget Harper. She's a wonderful woman. Um, Bridget is... 93 years old. She's worked in agriculture all her life. And she said when she was 14 years of age, she went to an agricultural fair and was uh, hired by a farmer to work on his farm. And um, she went to the farm that in the evening, at five o'clock in the evening, she was given a cup of tea and then she was ha given a handed a bucket and told to go and milk cows. And she said she didn't have a clue how to do it. But she learned and um, she said she was very well treated uh, by the farmer she worked with. And um, she always says she loved sheep, that she thought they were beautiful animals, very gentle. And they'd go out at night to count them, which is a light, like a, a nice, um, you know, counting sheep at night. Um, and then she also said that she would always have, I said, Bridget's cross with her no matter where she went, because she believed Bridget would always protect her, which is very nice. I'm looking at my own St. Bridget's cross here myself. I always have, um, I always have a cross in the house because, you know, it, it protects a house from want and evil spirits. So every house should probably have one. <laughs> I should do with nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Breed's core, or maybe it's Breed's core. Oh yes, she's a wonderful lady. Breed is from Belfast. Um, she's a civil servant, um, but she also has spina bifida. She said that uh, you know disability is always regarded as a negative, but um, she's been very positive in her life, and she looks at what she can do rather than what she can't do. And she has, a, you know, some some people have a faith in St. Bridget, some people don't. Um, but she said she had a faith in St. Bridget. And when her times are hard, she prays to her and that she guides her through difficult situations and helps her. And um, music is a huge part of her life, um, that she's also always sung in choirs. And, um, you know, she also talks about um, you know, access. She loves going to concerts and, but sometimes it's difficult. Like it actually concerts are actually good. Like they have, um, you know, there's always access, but in 
buildings, you know, it's just difficult. She said Northern Ireland has come quite a long way, um, but they still have quite a way to go in terms of, um, you know, just basic access to living in society when, you know, you're in a wheelchair. Bridget Connors. So she has a grandmother, Bridget Cash, which reminds me, isn't Johnny Cash's ancestors from Ireland? I think they might have been. Oh, maybe they're related. Yeah, Bridget, she was a wonderful lady. Um, uh, she said she was named after her grand, her grandmother, Bridget Cash. Um, she said she was a lovely lady. She had a great life and that she lived to see four generations, um, which not a lot of us get to do that. Um, she's from the traveling community, which she says she's very proud of. Um she works, I photographed her in Newbridge in County Kildare um, and she's part of the, um, th- there's a, a health team there that um, works in education to educate um, the traveling community in, in health issues. So she's part of that team. And she said, um, you know, she settled now, but when she was a child, her her parents, they travelled and she said no matter what town they pulled, the caravan pulled into, that her mother would always send them to school. And um, she made sure of that, that they got an education. And she said she's the same with her own children, that she has two children and further education. Um, and that she said that she really misses you know, the traveling way of life. Said that life is quite lonely now without that because when you would, you know, when they'd be traveling around Ireland, there'd be about five caravans that would pull up behind them and they'd light fire and there'd be music. And she said it was just great company mm-hmm. and it was a great way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now when when people are settled, it's just, it's much more isolating, you know? Yeah. Bridget McDonnell, she's got a staff. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's great. She is a female farmer. Um, She lives on the highest hill farm in County Antrim. And um, she said she's very proud to be a female farmer. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of female farmers around. Um, And she would say when she's out walking on the mountains, gathering sheep, she feels like... um, a lot of the old miners or the old farmers are walking along beside her, which is, you know, that's quite a beautiful image. Um, so, yeah, she was a great. I, I actually photographed. She was the Playhouse in Derry had given me um, one of their big rehearsal rooms for for two days in November, the beginning of November, um, November 1st and 2nd, I remember, because I was up in Derry then for Halloween um, I didn't realise how big Halloween was in Derry. Oh, so, huge. Um, yeah, so yeah, I was there. I didn't stay out late now because I had to photograph 30 Bridgets over the next two days. So I did go into town and have a, a bit of a walk around and um, it was a great atmosphere. So, um, but this was my first, Bridget was my first Bridget in uh, Derry and she was there bright and early because she's a farmer. She mm-hmm. was there 45 minutes early. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so she's a wonderful woman. So whenever you're driving, you drove all around Ireland, is that correct? Uh, well, no, I get the bus or the train. Wow, so you took public transport all around Ireland? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wow. don't actually drive. So, so, yeah, I love getting the bus and the train um, because you can get work done. You can read like, you know, when I get get the bus or when if I say if I, I was thinking I was up in Belfast and I was thinking, why would you drive to Belfast when you get in the bus and you can read or you can get work done? I just find it very counterproductive to because I, I, I learned to drive in America. So I drove everywhere in America. So um, here I decided I wasn't going to drive. Um, I was going to walk and get buses and taxis everywhere. Yeah. Can I ask, did you get funding for this from the council or arts? I did, yeah. I got um, an agility award from the Arts Council, which covered my travel expenses. So that was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, but I do, I, 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 I would do this anyway. You know, I've always more or less self-funded my, my projects with commercial for, you know, I make a living as a commercial photographer. So I would, um, you know, self-fund my own projects. And how would you monetize this? Can I ask? Uh, what do you mean monetize it? Well, because you've invested a lot of money in it, I guess, and you've had to live, you've done, uh, working on it for 10 months, 12, sorry, 12 months. So, and uh, not well. I I started the actual photographic process. Like the most intense part was say the past four months. I mean, I just never think of it in those terms um, because because you wouldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. If you thought about it like that, like it, like something like the Bloody Sunday podcast, I would never think about. You know, that was all self funded. Um, I wouldn't, it was just such an incredible honour to meet all these people. And, you know, it was, it was so great meeting Eamon McCann and the relatives and uh, Kay Duddy, you know, the sister. Yeah. Actually, what was a lovely trilogy about that, um, what we had was, you know, because that, that photograph of Father Edward Daly inspired the whole the, the portraits. So we uh, interviewed Fulvio Grimaldi, who took the photograph, uh, Charlie Glenn, who was actually holding Jackie Duddy. Charlie Glenn was the Order of Malta volunteer. He's wearing glasses and he's holding Jackie, the, the upper part of Jackie, um, Jackie's head. And um, I think there's three people holding Jackie in that, but uh, he's holding Jackie. And then um, Kay, obviously the sister of Jackie Duddy. So we had a tr- we had a trinity of three people, two people who were actually there, and then the sister of Jackie. So it was just very special thing to, you know, to have a trinity of people involved in that photograph. So um, it's just such an honour. It's just so rewarding. Um, so I never put a a monetary value and it, you know, it's just, to me, it's priceless to be able to do this type of work. Well, I mean, yeah. it's great if you do get a grant funded, yeah. but, uh, so but it, when I don't, I just do it myself. So we zip through some more bridges and, you know, we can keep them short. Sure. Your description is really good, but, uh, you know, let's just do a quick fire. So Brady Gribben, the lady with the cards. Oh yeah. She, that, that's another dairy Derry Bridget, she said that she's holding um I don't know anything about poker, but it looks like she's holding a hand of poker. And she royal said flush. that she is it a royal flush? Yeah. Oh, I just there you see, look at me. I don't know absolutely I know nothing about cards, but uh um 
so she said she was brought up with seven brothers and poker was the one game that she didn't need physical strength for and that she could hold her own and that she could beat them at. You know, so that's, that's what her... The Royal Flush is the highest hand that you can get. So nothing can beat it. Is it? Yeah. Oh, right. That's great. So that's um, what she was at, I guess. How about Bra- uh, Breach Logue, the lady with the iron? Oh, yes. That's... Uh, She's wearing her her grandmother's dress, um, and it was uh, her her grandmother was Bridget Logue, so she's called after her grandmother, and she's wearing her grandmother's dress, oh. and this was the dress that her grandmother would wear, like it was her good dress, you know, like the good front room. Mm. It was the dress that she would wear um, when were when guests were coming to the house and uh, she said she felt very strong when she was wearing it. And actually that line that she felt very strong has just given me an idea for maybe a new body of work, Mm -hmm. which um, I won't talk about yet because I haven't really figured it out, but it was just like wearing somebody else's clothes, how it gave her strength. Um, So she said her grandmother was widowed at a very young age and she had to raise six children um, and that she went from from she went from uh, riches to rags. um, And she's like, I'm holding her iron as she threw herself into housework for solace. She's also holding her grandmother's iron. um, Mm. And uh, her grandmother had two sons who were priests. Um, so she, there was a lot of black clothes to be ironed and that her grandmother was very proud to have two priests in the family, but it was also a burden on her. Um, they needed wool coats and the best of attire when she was struggling herself to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I love that photograph. I love the fact that she's wearing the dress. Yeah. I think she looks great in the dress. And it might inspire the next project. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridge- Bridget Kavita from Kenya. Oh, that was great. When Bridget contacted me, I was like, oh, this is wonderful. So because I thought, you know, it's it's very it was important to me. I mean, it was great to get the age ranges, but I, I thought if I could get diversity in it too, that would be just brilliant. So Bridget contacted me and said that she was born in a remote village in Kenya. And um she was brought up in a Protestant church called the African Brotherhood Church and they're baptised at the age of 11 and that's when they choose their name. So her sister had been at a boarding school and had met this girl called Bridget and her sister thought this was a beautiful name and then when her sister came home um, around the time that she was getting, Bridget was getting baptised, she said, um, you know, I've met this girl called Bridget I think you should that should be your name and Mm -hmm. uh, Bridget thought it was a beautiful name and she said that's how I became a Bridget and um, she said it was sensational in her village because nobody knew how to pronounce it Mm -hmm. they were saying Brigish Brigish so um, and then she was at a wedding Uh, she went on to be working banking in uh Nairobi and uh, she was at a friend's wedding and there was an Irish man there and he asked her what her name was and she said it's Bridget mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, um, and her husband's actually a historian uh, so 
uh, they got married and now she's living in Ireland. Um, so, yeah, so that's quite a story. That's a great story. Uh, Bridget Raven-Smith, yeah. who's nine months pregnant, I assume she's no longer pregnant. The baby's been born. Yeah, the baby's been born. Um, it, yeah, she... I. I I actually went to Carrick and Shannon um, to meet her. Um, she's originally from England. Uh, her father is Roma and um, it, she got her name from her parents' love of mythology. Uh, her father loved tales and she said that the night after she was born, um that she came to her mother in a dream as a grown child and said that she would like to be named Bridget Raven. And that's how she got her name. So I loved that story because it's, you know, it gave a lot of the other stories are, were quite, you know, practical or not quite practical, but this was, this was a real mythological story, like an actual mythological story, you know, that, that actually happened. So, I thought that was a great addition to the whole because that's how I would choose people. It's on the strength of, well, to me, if the story, if their story appealed to me. I love this photograph of Bridget Leahy. Is that how you say it? The Vietnamese Irish American actress and, Amer- and director. Oh, yeah. um, her father's Irish American. Originally, her ancestors are from Cork. Her mother was uh, one of the Vietnamese boat people in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And um, her father loved the novel Trinity by Leon Urish, um, Mila 18 and Trinity. He's an American author. And I actually knew him. So that's, it was so funny when she said to me, you know, I'm late, I'm named after Leon, or one of the characters in Trinity. And I was like, oh, I, I knew wow. Leon. You know, I remember the last mm-hmm. time I met him before he passed away. Um so that was quite a coincidence. And uh, um, so she's, uh, you know, she again mar- married um, married to an Irish man living in Dublin. And um, but she would say that she would see uh, Bridget as a feminist figure um, that was someone who took power into her own hands. And um, she said she liked the idea of women governing their own space mm-hmm. and that. Uh, you know, women took power and put it into the hands of women. So, you know, I, I do think Bridget was a feminist figure. You know, she owned land when women didn't have agency. And so, yes, yeah, so that was, it was also when Bridget contacted me, I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's so wonderful to meet somebody who's Vietnamese, Irish American, mm-hmm. who's named Bridget. So that was, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. I, I love her dress. It's uh, it's it's Vietnamese and um, it's Vietnamese, Vietnamese yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were wondering what she would wear. I mean, I didn't want it to look cliched, mm-hmm. but uh, I just, you know, I'm like, why not? You know. <laughs> well, my, my I, I guess what I, why I'm particularly interested. I've been to Vietnam. That's number one. Number two is my kids' mother's Chinese, so I'm very much into championing the the heritage, you know, of of both sides. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's important mm-hmm. that she holds on to that as much as possible, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a 12-year-old here called Bridie with an album. I'm guessing that's Taylor Swift. Got Taylor me. Swift, yeah. yeah. Um, so again, I was delighted to, when her father contacted me and, and said that his daughter was a 12-year-old Bridie. And uh, she had a funny story that... Um, 
you know, her, her herself and her mother were telling me that um, that they were in a shop one day when Bridie was about five and her mother called out to her Bridie and an elderly lady turned around and she said yes, <laughs> thinking that her mother was calling her. And then the elderly lady was like, oh, I've never met a little Bridie before. Yeah. So, yeah. And she said that she loves her name because there's not a lot of... Um, little 12 year old there's not a lot of 12 year old brideys around my dad's cousin Brady, she just turned 90 last year oh did she oh there yeah. you go i missed her <laughs> and we're going we're moving so, on. Yeah. we're moving to south america now with uh some peruvian irish with brigine brigine is her father's peruvian her mother is a dairy woman and uh, her grandmother is British. Her mother is Breege and she's Brigine. Oh, so, uh, yeah, and she likes a lot of 90s music. Yeah, she's got, uh, she got a Nirvana t-shirt. She's got a Nirvana t-shirt. I saw Nirvana. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I, I tell people that, that they're so impressed. And then I have to say they weren't very good. And the reason why I'm is, here. I know, well, the next week he was playing in Amsterdam and he fell asleep in the middle of the set. And then the manager came out and said, oh, he's got uh, narcolepsy. But then we all knew it was heroin. He had heroin. <laughs> so, oh, OK. So was this towards the end? Or? Well, no, it wasn't even. It was it was post. Uh, oh, OK. It was just after uh, Nevermind. So it was, it should have been, okay. like, it should have been, you know, at their peak, you know, but he, yeah. he was getting on the heavy stuff, or, you know, at that yeah. stage even. Um, mm-hmm. So Bonnie Bridget Carton. Yes, her name is Bonnie Bridget because she said her mother loved both names. So she called her twice. And, uh, you know, something I, I noticed about a lot of the the Bridgets, they, they're all very artistic. She said she loves music and art. She plays the piano and the clarinet. And she also loves animals. So, um, and then also something else I noticed, uh, they had a great strength, all these women and children. Um, that was another characteristic I noticed. Mm, that's great. What about Bridget here with the football? Oh, yeah, she's from, I went down to Temple Moor to photograph her. Uh, this is Bridie, and she was named after her grandmother. Um, she plays, she loves playing football. Um, she also loves maths and her times tables. And she said she loves knowing about money. So when she goes into the shop, she knows how much she has. Uh, nobody else in the school is called Bridget, so it makes her feel very special. Mm. Oh, it's great to see the football as well. Uh, Breed, this is uh, the one with the rabbit. Yeah, Breed. And uh, her mother said that um, her teacher's comment, she said that she's a very, very strong and kind little girl and that her teacher's comment that she's very motherly um, and that they live on a farm and she loves animals, um, especially the springtime lambs. So animals seem is another theme, like love of animals seems to be another theme that's running through all the Bridgets I photographed. Um, and obviously since St. Bridget, her affinity with animals. And actually, I had reached out to Brigitte Bardot. Um, I haven't heard anything yet. And not for the celebrity, but just because, you know, she devoted her life to the care of animals also. I mean, she walked away mm. from celebrity and set up um, 
you know, it's a, an animal rescue. Um, you know, and I was reading an interview she gave to the Guardian, and and she she was saying how much she disliked celebrity, but uh, and just about her love of animals. So I thought she would have been quite wonderful, but well, maybe still. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, um, do, do you yeah. have any way of getting in touch with David Holmes, the DJ? I don't know why. Because he remixed a song called Contact and Bridget Bardot sang on that. So it, oh, it, really? Yeah, it was. Oh, a, so, yeah. It, it could have been a 60s song and he remixed it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a great job on it. Um, but I remember it was so groovy in university. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I have a friend who might know him. So we and I okay, that would be great. Yeah, and I don't even know if he made contact with Bridget Bardot. He could have just remixed his her music, but uh, if you yeah, if you yeah. if you draft an email and send it to me, I'll uh, send it to my contact who can maybe send it to sure. him, who can maybe send it to Bridget Bardot. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, um, who's this? Oh, this is the the little baby. Oh, the baby. Yeah, this is. Uh, Bridget, she was eight weeks old when I photographed her and um, her father, when she was born, her mother said that uh, when Bridget was born, um, she decided that her birth would draw the line under intergenerational trauma because her grandfather had been murdered in front of his wife and four children in their home um, by the UDA uh, on the 25th of August, 1989. Um, so obviously that had changed the course of uh, of their lives forever. And um, so her mother said that when Bridget was born, this was uh, a time of rebirth and renewal. Um, so yeah, so I was delighted when she contacted me because I thought that was quite a wonderful story also. Yeah, that's beautiful. And is, is she the youngest? She is the youngest, yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay, we got Bridget Winry, three years old. Oh, yeah. Bridget is such a wonderful little girl. Uh, her mother had contacted me. Bridget is three years of age, and then her great-great-aunt was 100 years of age. So I went up to Oma and photographed them in the same house. Um, so Bridget... Uh, was born with Down syndrome. And when she was eight months old, uh, she, you know, had a cardiac arrest and she required emergency heart surgery. And um, one of the only options available was explorative surgery, where the calf, where the valve from a calf's neck was placed into her heart. Um, this was in Crumlin Children's Hospital in Dublin. And uh, the surgery was a complete success. Um, they never thought Bridget, they didn't know if she'd ever be able to feed herself, if she'd ever be able to walk. And now she's this delightful little girl who's running around and eating and walking. And it seemed like she's about to talk. Um, but the fact that St. Bridget is the patron saint of cattle is such an extraordinary coincidence because this calf saved this little girl's life. So to me, I just think that's the most incredible story. That's beautiful. Um, So St. Bridget is the patron saint of cattle and there's a calf's calf's valve from its neck 
was placed into Bridget's heart to save her. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I just think it's such an incredible story. Yeah. I've got the penultimate one you'd be glad to hear. Uh, Bri- sure. Because <laughs> I, I only have a selection of uh, Bri- uh, Bridget's in front of me. So Bridge Morrison, she's six years old. She likes to play football. Oh, yeah. So she's wonderful. And she's dressed as Alice in Wonderland. That was her, because this was in Derry, it was the 1st of November. So um, it was her Halloween costume. So I just think she just looks so ethereal in, she looks like Alice in Wonderland. But then she plays football. So that's such a nice, um, she plays football and soccer. And she plays soccer for TriStar Football Club. Um and she likes to paint pictures and she loves story time and reading and she loves sweets. Um, crunchies are her favourite. So I just think there's such a lot of juxtapositions going on with her photograph and her story. Mm-hmm. And the last one I've got to ask is uh, Bridget Smith, the principal. Uh, Bridget um, founded uh, two integrated schools in Northern Ireland um, in 1997 and in 2002. Um, She said they were in very different areas in the North um, and how she's very passionate about integrated education um, because she feels like it's been 25 years since the peace process and uh, or 25 years since the Good Friday Agreement and she feels that um, the communities are still very divided and that um, that integrated education is in one way one of the you know one of the main paths to um, maintaining, you know, peace in Northern Ireland. And um, so she says, on a day-to-day basis, they see children from very different communities coming together um, and developing a deep understanding through the education that they receive about the other. Um, they are taught to respect uh, other um, other traditions, other communities. Um, they ensure that every child shares their story, that every child has a voice, um, that they listen to other people's history. Um, and it was something that she said that how perspective is um, very important and how every society or everything in society um, can be seen from a lot of different perspectives um so within that context they are educating uh young people to respect each other i'm reminded that mo molem who was the secretary of state for northern ireland she delivered the i'll be integrated now it's called the belfast agreement uh after she delivered that she then spent the last two years of her life on this planet campaigning for integrated education in Northern Ireland. She yes. So that, as you say, the uh, essential component for a sustainable peace, uh, that didn't know. I'm just being reminded about that because you said that about the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement uh, was last year. So it's very uh, poignant, I, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. Something else Bridget said, which I thought was lovely, she was saying that being called Bridget has enabled her um, to do very hard work in very difficult circumstances, that um, how the name Bridget has given her a lot of strength. And as I said before, I think a lot of the women would talk about um, the strength that they derive from either from St. Bridget or being called Bridget. And also I was, I was, I was photographing a woman yesterday and she said, she's just delighted to have an extra bank holiday named after her. (laughs) And all her friends were ringing her to thank her for like giving them an extra day off, (laughs) (laughs) which is sweet. Yeah, I should mention uh, Bridget Smith is a great friend of mine. So big shout out to you, Bridget. Yeah, <laughs> there all, you go. All the stunning yeah, work that you me, do. Yeah, she gave me wonderful audio also. So, yeah. Actually, it was my sister that sent Bridget the picture of your image looking for Bridget. The poster. Oh, yeah, yeah, looking for Bridget. So I don't know where, like, it just went, you know. All over it, the place. It started. Uh, well, I think it was the face. I think it was Facebook. I think when Keith, ta- maybe he tagged people or people were sharing it and then tagging Bridget, yeah. putting the tag Bridget and then every Bridget was seeing it. Yeah. So um, I think it was actually the Facebook post made it go more viral, you know, made, made it viral rather than um, yeah. my own Instagram post. Yeah. So shout out to Maeve as well. Well done, Maeve, for putting Bridget Absolutely, Smith in yeah. the picture. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a question that I have is, having completed this project, how does your impression of St. Bridget differ than from before the start of this? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, first of all, more an awareness of the name. I think... Um, the name may have a renaissance, you know, now that we have a, a new bank holiday, we'll have a Bridget Festival, you know, that's maybe will be on a par with the St. Patrick's Day Festival. Maybe not quite yet, but someday it might be on a, you know, become as, as big as that. Um, and also, I think I'm going to have more faith in her. I'm not a religious person, but I... Or maybe I am. I think I'm not, but I like to think of mythical figures. Do you know what I mean? I like You're to spiritual. believe in a figure or yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um so I may have more faith in her. Mm-hmm. I may pray to her more myself. I watched recently um it was Lou Reed being uh um what's that word? installed into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Anyway, Laurie Anderson, his wife, the artist, um, she's uh, given this really softly spoken and beautifully written speech uh, to commemorate uh, Lou Reed. And she says that whenever we die, there's three deaths. So one is whenever your heart stops. The second one is whenever you're laid in the ground. And the third one is whenever your name is spoken last. So here we are 1,500 years later and we're celebrating St. Bridget with 60 at least of the Bridgets that you've come across. 
So the name lives on and on. It's got a rejuvenation as well through this project, through, well, not just through this project, but through this anniversary. And um, it's nice to hear that lovely story you said about the little baby who's um, drawing a, la- a line in um, the, the pain of that family. So it's nice to hear yeah. this rejuvenation of the name. Well, she's, uh, you, you know, she's the... She's associating with healing and forgiveness and rebirth, and um, she's also the patron saint of the printing press. I don't know how on earth because Gutenberg invented the printing press. Was it the 14th century, the 15th century? Well, before, after Bridget. But um, I remember saying I was the Talking Dairy Girls podcast. I'd spoke with those ladies a couple of months ago and um, I had said that I thought this would be a great book. And then somebody told me she, St. Bridget was the patron saint of of printers and the printing press. And I was like, okay, so this is meant to be, this has to be a book then. But I'm not sure why she would be the patron saint of printers, which is great. But uh, She'll probably be the patron saint of a device that we have not invented yet as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, Deirdre, great project. What's your plans for the future? Uh, Well, the next, I'm hoping to make a film. I've always wanted to make a film. And um, the idea for this film um, came to me when I was scrubbing a a pan one evening about 10 Mm. (laughs) o'clock. So (laughs) when I was washing (laughs) So Bridget came while I was making a cup of tea. This came when I was washing a pan and uh, it's kind of a a follow on from my book, Following Ulysses. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it, but uh, I've had a lot of ideas to use like modern technology. Um, And I think James Joyce would like that because he was very interested in the avant-garde and experimentation. So um, it's kind of a social documentary. It, it's sort of like my book, um, like a social documentary of a part of Dublin that's featured in Ulysses, Ooh. but bringing new technology into it. Uh, but, um, you know, I've never made a film before, but it, I don't think how difficult can it be. Um, it's not that different to what street photography, you know, it's kind of yeah. the same. It's yeah. just... Um, Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I I think as if I had a good cinematographer, a good camera person, um, it's the same as, you know, if you're if you're doing street photography and you're stopping people on the street and explaining what you're doing and asking, do they want to participate? It's it's sort of the same, you know. So, yeah. And I, I wanted to mention this earlier and I didn't, and you brought up Ulysses again. So I'm going to mention it in case this helps you down the line. I was at an event uh, last month. It was in Rahoon Cemetery in Galway. Michael D. Higgins, the president of Ireland, mm-hmm. was unveiling a plaque of uh, Nora Barnacle's ex-boyfriend, Michael Sonny Bodkin. So he's buried in Rahoon Cemetery. So, oh, is he who died of uh, TB? I don't know what he died of, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it was Nora Barnacle's boyfriend before James Joyce. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, and then he inspired the character in The Dead that's that died right. from TB. That's right. Yeah, I was. I didn't know that. Oh, so he's in. He's buried in Rathoon Cemetery. Yeah, just I did not the know that. For me. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. And there was a lovely. There, there was a lovely speech given by Michael D. Uh, and um, Noel O'Grady sang a beautiful song. And it's all recorded. I recorded, I put it up in the Galway podcast. So I'll send you a link to that as well. Yeah, no, that would be great. That's uh, because I think uh, the thing about TB when I was uh, like the cover of my book, it's it was double exposure that I did during COVID. Um, so the two images on the front and the back of my book following Ulysses are double exposure mm. um, that I did during COVID. So it was almost like, you know, the parallels yeah. in um, Ulysses, like the power, there was a lot of parallels between modern day Dublin and Joycey in Dublin, like with the housing crisis, you know, TB was the largest cause of um, premature death in Dublin. Yeah, so there was a lot of parallels between Joycey in Dublin and modern day Dublin. So, yeah. Um, and did you uh, did you see Aileen Maloney's uh, monologue called Yes? It was Molly Bloom's final monologue in Ulysses. I didn't actually, no, which is a pity. I don't know why. I was probably busy working on something mm, that yeah. I didn't get to see it. It was so. absolutely amazing. It was, it was spellbinding. I remember somebody said years ago to me, if you don't understand Shakespeare, it's because the actor doesn't understand Shakespeare. And you could apply the same, you know, saying to Ulysses, if especially if it's being acted. <laughs> uh, this is what I've worked out. And Aileen, this is Paddy Maloney's um, from the Chieftains. His daughter was was doing this monologue. She was acting a one and a half hours of seven sentences of the final closing monologue in Ulysses, and she acted the whole thing with her entire body, and she gave the whole thing meaning, you know, so you were able to mm-hmm. be transported to Spain or, or to the, you know, the affair that she was having and all the rest. And, she, you know, I, I interviewed her again for the, uh, for the Golly podcast and she gives a tremendous amount of insight into her analysis of that character, that monologue. And yeah, it's worth checking out because, um, she started reading that book whenever she was, I think she was seven or nine, something insanely young. So it was, uh, but it was great to see, uh, you know, her uh, interpretation of that text. Yeah, well, hopefully um, if she's back, if she's traveling, I, I would imagine maybe she's she would be traveling with it again in the future. Mm, yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing what your future project is with uh, Ulysses. And <laughs> I suppose I just have to, I just have to make it. If you want to make a film, you just have to make it. I thought you were going to say. Do you know what I mean? I thought you were going to say I just have to make another cup of tea and then I'll get another idea. Oh no, no, I think no. I think if you want to make a, if you want to do anything, you just have to do it. Yeah. You know, I think somebody, you know, there's some writer said if you want to write a book, you just have to sit down and write it. You know. Yeah. Which I suppose is easier said than done, but uh, you know, it's um. It's easier to edit something that you've written. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So. Well, here, Deirdre, I uh, congratulate you on your fantastic project, uh, a year long. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, you'll be you'll be definitely deserved of some rest and definitely some celebrations as well. Yeah, no, it's I'm seeing it now projected in Dublin will be. It's just it's a great conclusion to the project, you know. 
Yeah. And remind us again, where is it? Barnardo Square. It's that square beside City Hall. And then it's actually on the side of um, the fault. Is it the fault, Charlotte? My studio is just across the street. I should know because I look out the window and can <laughs> see it. But it's the modern, you know, that modernist building in front of the entrance to Dublin Castle. And it's the side. That building has a nice, big, flat, grey wall which is perfect for projections i was looking at it today and i was like oh that's perfect um so they you know i've seen projections on that the side of that building before for culture night so mm. it's a really good spot because if you're you know the, you've uh, a lot of angles you can see you can see it from mm. brilliant well fair play to you august Okay. Sanga for a slam. Okay. Oh, Ihuagas, Kosovakas, Vadik there. I used to say that to my father every night before we went to bed. That's brilliant. Okay. Slam. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Slam. This has been a Salt Hill Media original podcast and production. 